before we went to the break, I asked you about your confidence in the bridges throughout the Lower Mainland. We are just seconds away from Daniel Fontaine, City Councillor with New Westminster. But first, I wanted to hear from you. So let's go to the phones. Chris in Vancouver. Chris, good afternoon. Your thoughts on the bridges? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well. Well, you have the Portman Bridge that shut down. You have the Alex Fraser that was shut down, both at the same time. They're building this new Patello Bridge, which I'm willing to bet is going to be the exact same as the Portman. As the Liberals get in power, they're going to build something along the lines there that's going to resemble the Portman Bridge. So realistically, there's probably going to be no chance to get to Surrey unless you decide to go all the way to Maple Ridge and across the Golden Ears, if that's even open. Otherwise, people are going to be stranded. I understand what they're trying to do, but I mean, at the same time, it makes no sense at the end of the day if they're going to shut down bridges due to ice, ice falls. Like, what, are they, what is going to happen overall? Okay, well, Chris, I appreciate that question. I'm going to go to uh, New Westminster City Councilor Daniel Fontaine, who's kind enough to join me. Daniel, you're hearing from the listener that uh, there's some challenges, and I know that a lot of these routes run through New Westminster. First and foremost, good afternoon, and what would you say to that call? Well, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to the Patillo Bridge. Uh, as old as it was, it stayed open and it continued to work. It did. Uh, I, I agree with your caller. I actually have a lot of um, questions around uh, the newer bridges that we are building, given what our experience has been in the last few years, actually, not just on the storm that happened. But we've noticed a pattern in the last number of years around these bridges with, and I'm not an engineer, a structural engineer, but I, I have noticed, like I'm sure many other residents in Metro Vancouver, that whenever... We get temperatures around zero, it starts snowing. Bridges like the Alex Fraser and the Portman and eventually the new Patullo Bridge um, effectively are, are not usable. And as your caller points out, um, we need these bridges to get across the Fraser River and, and other um, you know, bodies of water. So it's very critical for us to make sure that, that they work. And, and there, I think the public is um, beginning to lose a little bit of confidence in, these, uh, in this new technology and the way we're building these bridges. In particular, if we're heading with climate change and there's going to be a lot more kind of similar type of weather patterns. Um, I guess the bigger question is, are we going to expect this to be just a regular occurrence in the lower mainland? Well, I think that's where my confidence gets a little rattled is in the fact that, again, I'm not an engineer by any means either, but I sit back and I say, okay, well, if the world is shifting and we're going to get, let's say, a few more snowfalls or a few more atmospheric rivers, are mm-hmm. the bridges ready for the challenges that it faces? And, and are each jurisdiction, each municipality ready to make those adjustments as well? I know you represent New Westminster. How are you guys gauging? I know that right now you're probably looking at it from 10,000 feet, but is there at least a plan in place where you're starting to say, boy, we may have to look at this? Well, I'm not aware. I've I've obviously just come on to council a few weeks ago, so um, I'm relatively new to the the game in terms of New Westminster Council. But I do know that the bridges play a very critical part of New Westminster transportation. As you indicated, we do have the Queensboro Bridge, we have the Petula Bridge, we have the SkyTrain Skybridge that comes across. So there are a number of bridges that cross. And I know that the focus has been, a lot of it has been on seismic upgrading and making sure that the bridges, uh, like the older Petulo, are replaced with bridges that are much more seismically safe. But I'm wondering if we, we have lost a component in all of this in that we've been focusing so heavily on the seismic upgrade that we have perhaps uh, forgotten the issue of climate change around what might happen with snow bombs and ice. I mean, if, if you'd have told me, Rob, that, that prior to the Port Man Bridge that we would be shutting this bridge down because, you know, massive ice chunks would be falling mm-hmm. off onto people's windshields, I would have, I would have laughed at you and said, of course, that's not going to happen. And here we are where we're having to 
you know, redesign the bridges and put chain links and have the chains fall down. I mean, we're trying everything we can to keep them working. Um, I think it, you, you raise a really good question as to whether or not, and again, it's something that, uh, you know, when we've been calling for this snow summit, there, there's a lot of topics we can talk about, about the impacts of snow in this region, and one of them would be on our bridges, and how can we make sure that they're, um, they're weatherproof and can stay open during bad bouts of weather. Yeah, I thought it was a conversation worth at least exploring. And I really do appreciate you coming on, Daniel, to speak about this very quickly before I let you go. And I know that you have, as you mentioned, been with the city council for just a couple of weeks time. When we talk about thoroughfares and New West is a really big one, connecting Surrey, connecting Vancouver, Burnaby. I mean, you guys are essentially the the heart of it all in certain facets. Mm -hmm. When you look to the future, what do you find the residents are most concerned with? When you were doing your campaigning, trying to become Mm -hmm. a part of city council, what were you hearing from your people when it came to transportation as a whole? Well, I think uh, I heard loud and clear from people that because, as you indicated, we are the geographic centre of Metro Vancouver, we are uh, a, a through fare for so many people, people coming in and out of the community just by the way of the fact that they can't avoid New Westminster, they have to come through. So I heard so many times from people around the, the impact of people cutting through their neighbourhoods, the requirement for speed bumps to slow speeds down, the fact that to get from one side of New Westminster to the other side, which isn't a large city, it can often take um, half an hour when, when things are peaked up with vehicles and, and traffic is gridlocked. So traffic and transportation definitely were one of the, the key topics in the election, and I think that that's not going to go away. The big, more challenging issue is uh, around finding resolutions to that and trying to get people kind of out of their cars and trying to use alternate forms of transit. And we are fortunate that we do have five um, SkyTrain stations in the city, so we, we can you know encourage people to do that, but that, that won't necessarily resolve the problem anytime soon because there's going to continue to be a lot of cars and trucks that are driving through New West for, uh, for a while to come. Well, the one thing I will say is don't change the waterfront. I think what you guys are doing there is fantastic. And I hope that you, as a new member of council, are going to continue to push it forward because I think what's on the other side is fantastic. So thank you for your time today. I appreciate you making a little bit of it for me and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. And thanks for having me on. For young workers, statement from the Ministry of Labour says the regulations set out minimum ages for certain types of employment and new rules will require a minimum age of 18. If you're going to work as a logger or in smelters, oil drilling or anywhere where there's risk of exposure to certain harmful materials. To talk about this and much more, Nav Malhotra with Local 1611 Construction and Specialized Workers Union joins me this afternoon. Nav, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. And I think on the outside, this seems smart because, you know, obviously you're elevating the age. But let's get into this. What does this mean for uh, young, aspiring people that want to get into the trades industry where there are some potentials to harmful materials? You know what? Firstly, we applaud the BCNDP government uh, for modernizing the Employment Standards Act. You know, uh, prior to this act, uh, people as the, as young as 12 could be working out in these industries. Now, you know, a minimum age of 16 is the step in the right direction for workers inspiring, you know, to be trade skilled trade people out in the industry. 
I find it uh, interesting, and I, I share in the applause, considering right now how certain industries are really struggling to you know, find workers. So to increase the standard and maybe minimize getting some of those younger workers in there because it's the right thing to do is something that I think we do have to tip our cap to. Can we talk a little bit more about, you know, for example, certain industries, for example, construction, uh, animal and fish processing? Um, it doesn't affect the training. It just affects when they can start working. Is that correct? Correct. Right. Uh, the training, uh, you know, in our industry, as uh, we are a diverse uh, uh, private trade uh, union, we have represent over 10,000 people. Uh, construction is one of our four tastes, right? Training is still, you know what, we have approximately 20 people that are at the age of six, between uh, 16 to 18. So it's a young, uh, small fraction of our membership. But the main thing is to ensure that they get uh, trained properly before they enter the workforce. Do you feel that the training in most sectors is good enough? I I can't comment on other sectors. You know, I can comment on our organization. I think uh, we're above uh, and doing uh, hitting home runs over and over. We train over uh, 4,000 to 5,000 members a year. There was a statement that came out that I think it was back in October that was talking about they went to the business sector, they went to the public sector, speaking to the government here, and determined that jobs in several industries were just, quote, too hazardous for young workers. When we talk about these hazards, and again, I'll get into the analytic on, you know, people per hundred that were getting hurt even just a year ago, but when you look at these high hazard jobs, uh, is 18 too young? Um. You know what, 18, you know what, for now, I'll have to comment for now, 18 uh, is the number and the uh, group, uh, the age group that the government's come uh, uh, with and will go with that. Uh, In some industries, it may be too young, but once again, it comes back to training and the training that is done across the board for any type of uh, industry right to ensure that everybody has the skill to be on the job sites and ready how has it been over the last year i'm glad we're having this conversation nav because i've you know been able to cover news in a in a pretty wide variety here and you talk to you know the the health sector and they're understaffed you talk to the uh service industry and they're understaffed you know i know that you represent a number of workers uh that are probably feeling the pinch and and trying to put in a yeoman's like effort here despite the fact that everybody could use more workers um is it trending the right way? Does 2023 look like it's going to be a better year across the board? Uh, it is trending the right way. Uh, we have grown over 25% uh, in the last two years. Uh, so we're heading the right direction. Uh, you talk about shortage. There is a shortage, just not here in BC, throughout Canada, right? And how do we, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, tighten the gap with the shortage is train, get the individuals trained and we'll be ready for uh, the work. And you feel that there's a lot of people in training because um, I think one of the things, for instance, in the health sector is you have these people from abroad that are qualified that could probably put their boots on the ground and get to work right now, but have to go through secondary training once they come to Canada. Is that a challenge in your sector or is that something where you guys are ready to rock once they tick the boxes? Uh, once they're ready to tick the boxes, uh, that they have the qualifications, uh, they're ready to rock and roll. As you said, so love it. You know, some of the some of the some of the tickets may not be transferable from, let's uh, say, even across or uh, the border. But you know, once they do cross, we have sessions, training courses 
throughout the year, every day, you know, to seven days a week. So people are ready and uh, willing to go. We are out there uh, ready to uh, supply. Well, I know 2022 came with its challenges for sure in every trades industry. And uh, I'm glad that you guys were able to keep your heads above water. And I wish you a very prosperous 2023. Nav, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Rob. And a happy holidays to you and everybody listening. So I was doing the math during the commercial break. I think I got about three days to eat as many chocolate bars, candy, gravy, turkey, all the stuff that's going to, you know, put on maybe a pound or two before we flip the calendar and try to make our New Year's resolution. Oh, come on. You know you do that as well. I'm not saying that you can make it the whole year. I'm not saying that you can only do it for a day, but there's a method to the madness and there's a, a psyche that goes with starting fresh, if you will. To speak about that and a few other things, Yona Budd, host of At Your Best on CKW 980, our fine station that you are listening to right now, uh, kind enough to stop by. Yona, good afternoon. Hey, nice to be here, Rob. It's my pleasure. I wanted to get into the psyche behind making a New Year's resolution because I know a lot of us do it and a lot of us say, you know what, damn it, this is going to be the year I can do it right through until December the 31st. But let's pull the lens back a little bit and talk about why we do this in the first place. Well, you know, so people have a New Year's Eve, you know, epiphany, some, right? Many have it throughout the year as well. But I know it's for, it seems to be the international time where you reconcile with yourself and say, I don't like this, this, and this, or I want to do more of this, 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 and that. It seems to be something that everyone's doing, so it's not like a, a just a me thing, you know, sort of socially it's kind of a thing to talk about. But we all know that, you know, if you, you can't break them if you don't make them. So, you know, coming to, if that's your, if that's your, the time of the year where it comes to you where you say, hey, you know, I've had enough, it's been too much of a party season, or don't like how, what last year looked like, or I want to just do better this year, or climb bigger mountains, who knows, right? Um, it seems to be an international clock for trying to figure your life out. So we usually think of things like, well, I'm going to try to lose some weight or I'm going to try to, you know, see the pyramids or something simple. But (laughs) I'd like to think that there's something more to this. And you talk about resetting and and kind of mentally starting over. I know that there's a lot of people and, and I think this might be a little more towards your forte, but. You talk about people that are trying to overcome hurdles and and, and whether it's maybe, hey, this year I'm going to be sober. Maybe this year I'm going to stop smoking. Uh, Beyond the pleasantries of a New Year's resolution, there is an opportunity to really try to clean the slate, no? Yeah, no, listen, 100%. Um, And I think it's a great time because, you know, like I said a little earlier, that, you know, it's – you can do it with a buddy. You know, it's, it's, it's not like all of a sudden you woke up on a Thursday morning, called your best friend and said, dude, like I'm done. Can't do the dope and the booze anymore. And I, I'm checking out. And they're like, yeah, like what happened? I'm not right. But if it's like new year's Eve, you're going into it. You're talking with your friends. You're all sharing. Uh, hopefully it's your, like you said, with your <laughs> chocolate, you're having your last hurrah and you can remember what you say the next day. Uh, but actually using it a time in a, in a kind of a support kind of way with your buddies, your crew, whatever, and, and use it as a time where you can all measure each other a little bit, try and either lose the weight or drink a little less or a little more exercise or get home more often or whatever, right? Um, it's just, it seems to be a little easier to do when lots of people are doing it with you. Sometimes we make um, goals that are just unattainable. 
And, and this is something that I always say, you know, I'm going to lose 100 pounds or I'm going to do something. And then you sit back afterwards and it's February and you've already broken your mental trust with yourself. And you're like, ah, you know, like, why did I do that? If you are going to succeed, what is the best way to tackle a resolution? Oh, great question, Rob. So, you know, like anything, you have to have a plan, like you're building a house or you're planning a trip or something. you, you got to have a plan. There's got to be something, uh, some guided tour, if you will, that allows you to get from where you are today to where you want to be when, what I don't know, next year at this time, I say, like maybe it's a 12-month thing, who knows? Some people it's a 30-day thing, some people it's a six-month thing, whatever. But whatever it is, got to have some kind of plan. And you've, the, like you said, and, and rightfully so, it's got to be realistic, right? You can't decide that all of a sudden, you know, next year you're going to be, you know, on the on the, the top of the ladder if you're starting at the, the second run, right? So maybe getting halfway up the ladder is, is more attainable this year, and then maybe next year go a little bit higher. So it's, it's a question of being realistic with yourself. So like you said, exactly. You know, you don't want to put yourself down because you don't get there. So if you set a realistic goal, it's easier to celebrate your little successes along the way, right? And then when you get there, then you can say, okay, I think I can push myself a little bit further now. You brought up a really interesting word uh, in your first answer when you you were basically just summarizing everything. I want to get into addiction because I think there's something there. You talked about the fact that, you know, we're trying to fix the things that were wrong from the previous, you know, year. And we're trying to, you know, okay, we're going to do better at this. When it comes to addiction, let's get a little more serious and in-depth than just a standard resolution. You tackle addiction. What are some of the things that you do to try to um, praise somebody that is making these small steps? Again, you don't want to try to bite it all off at once, but what can you do to somebody that's really trying to make a change and, and, and tackle something? How do you support somebody that's made a resolution? Well, if there's, if, you know, if the resolution is, you know, to get sober, if that's when you, you know, you kind of brought up, if, if the resolution is to get sober, you, you, you celebrate the sobriety together. And, um, you know, let, the, the goal is with anything, we're losing weight, being at the gym more, get, you know, whatever. It's, it's the next day and getting through the next day and getting through the next day in a very mindful way and celebrating the next day that you get up and you say, wow, you know, today I'm a little bit lighter or today I'm a, a little healthier or today I'm not drinking. I mean, each day needs to be the, the days of success. You need to actually celebrate those. And when you have someone that encourages you and is there saying, hey, you know what, man, I'm really proud of you. Like it's Wednesday, dude, you haven't had a drink in three days. That's like freaking phenomenal. And uh, let's go to breakfast, right? Hmm. So it, it, it's that kind of support where it's, it's a big deal, but not such a big deal. And it's along the way, and it's sort of in and out very gently, uh, but very, in a very meaningful way. I love it. I'm going to take a lot of what you said to heart. I thank you for this conversation today. Let's do it again, shall we? Yeah, my pleasure, brother. Happy New Year. If your wife is expecting and she is on pace to have her baby in and around New Year's, New Year's Day, drive safe as well. And I know that I, what is he talking about? Well, here's the deal. I guess there's certain je ne sais quoi that goes with having the first baby born in British Columbia on any said year. For example, last year. Well, actually, let's go to 2021. The first baby girl arrived in our fine province 21 minutes after the countdown. Catherine Harrison, Darcy Doberstein welcomed their first baby at Women's Hospital and Health Center in Vancouver. So, of course, they get all of the media. They get all of the people that say, oh, you're the first, you know, congratulations. But get a load of this. Did you know? I didn't know. If, I don't know if this is the first year it's happened or not. But you can bet 
on which hospital the first BC baby uh, will be born in this coming year, just a couple of days from now. Matt Lee from BCLC joins me. Matt, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tell me, and I know that this is one of the funner things that you do, but tell me that you got some inside information on which hospital is going to have the first baby this year, because I'm putting my money on this one. Yeah, I wish I had some insider information for you, Rob. I mean, all I can give you is some of the data. And, you know, we know that the BC Women's Children's Hospital delivers the most babies out of the province uh, among all BC hospitals. That's a given. Good so info. as a result, they are the favorites. They are three and a half to one favorites uh, in terms of delivering the first baby of 2023. Right after them, you got Surrey Memorial. You've got Royal Columbian and New West. Then you've got a couple Fraser Valley ones, Abbotsford Regional Hospital. You've got one on the island, Victoria General, which was in 2022, just this year. So there are definitely, um, you know, a lot of hospitals out there that will welcome babies in the new year. It's really still a coin flip at the end of the day because it all comes down to timing. And, you know, it could be a few minutes into the new year. It could be 21 minutes, as you mentioned like in 2021. I think it's fantastic. By the way, the book closes on this particular bet Saturday, December the 31st at 6 in the morning. Um, I, I guess around the office, this is fun. This is one of those things where you can just sit back and, you know, sure, you guys make a little bit of money, but it's fun when you look at all these different hospitals and the history behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's important to mention that we don't put these up for, for Play Now or BCLC or the province of BC to make money. We do this as you sort of hinted at, to have fun. Because, you know, generally at this time of year, you start talking about the first baby of the new year. It's a conversation at the family dinner table, at the family brunch table or something like that. And they'll say, oh, I saw that the new first baby of the year was born in Victoria this year or in Burnaby this year. So it's for, you know, people who are part of that discussion and allowing playing out to be part of that conversation as well because you're going to have a little bit of fun while they're at it so i mean if you're going to ha- talk about the new year's baby why not put a couple dollars get some skin in the game too? absolutely matt i was uh i was just bandying around the playnow.com website and i thought to myself you know there's got to be more and you guys do some fun things the u.s presidential election joe biden props the next james bond after daniel craig um yep. what department does this like who gets to have all the fun over there yeah, we've got a team of odd setters here that help set the odds for stuff like that. Of course, we have some third-party um, providers as well that help set the odds. I mean, uh, you know, we're here at British Columbia province, and, you know, we don't always have that insight into U.S. politics, of course, so we do get some of that expertise as well. I'll point this out for you, Rob. We've got WWE betting as well, the Royal Rumbles coming ah, up. And okay. So that's something that I loved watching every year. I like to bet, I would like to bet on who's going to win the Royal Rumble as well. So we do have some fun stuff as well. It's not just the big four, NFL, NBA, NHL, and, uh, you know, Major League Baseball. There's other things out there that, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a flavor for everybody. I love it. I just think it's a perfect time of, time of year to just have a little bit of fun. I mean, do it responsibly, um, but more than anything, just take a look at this. So, again, a bunch of hospitals that are out there right now. Like, there's a ton of them. But, again, you got to think of the BC Children's Hospital's got to be one. Uh, Surrey Memorial's got to be one of the favorites. So this is fun. Thank you for doing this with me, Matt. I just wanted to shine a little bit of light on it, and uh, it was great to have your expertise on this show. Thanks, Rob. Have a great New Year.